This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. But I did want to continue in our What's Next series. Uh, this is uh, sermon number four in this series. But I do want to take a moment to remind us that this next week is all about giving thanks to the God who gave even when we did not deserve. But he gave it because he loves us that much. And so I pray and I ask that when you gather, that if you gather, that, that you take some special time and you look around you. And you look at your health, you look at your home, you look at the food, that you look at just being around each other, and you stop and you give thanks because even when we didn't deserve it, God still chose to give. Amen? That even when we didn't deserve, God still chose to give. I do believe that we are nearing the end of one of the most unique years that I have ever had, and I think we can all agree It has been very unique, but we still give God thanks for what we've seen this year. And I believe this morning that there's multiple stories within the Bible that tell us, that teach us to give thanks even when times are tough. Right? So even in the middle of 2020, even in the middle of COVID-19, even in the middle of everything that's happening, I want us to continue to give thanks to Almighty God. Today we're going to talk about the Bema seat or the judgment seat. And next week we're going to look at the marriage, uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Um, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at quite a few passages today. But in Revelation 4, God gives us a glimpse of the things that will take place on the earth during the last seven years of the world as we know it. These seven years will begin according to um, the prophecy given by Daniel. When a man that will come to be known as the Antichrist will make a seven-year peace treaty with Israel. And when this takes place, we'll begin to see the book of Revelation play out before our eyes. It was written by a prophet that when these days come, that the terror of the Lord, when the pride of men will be abased. It was also said by a prophet that it will be a day of wrath. A day of trouble and distress. A, a, a day of, of um, just everything being destroyed. Everything that we know come crumbling down. Men will fall around like they are blind. And their blood will be poured out like dust. Um, Jesus said that in this tribulation period. That such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now. Nor ever shall in fact. Jesus said that it would be so terrible that if it were not stopped at the end of the seven years, it would result in the end of all life. You don't believe me? Watch this. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 21. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect or the remnant, for the sake of those who remain, for the sake of those who who have stayed in their faith, for the sake of those that believe in God, for the sake of those who haven't given up, for the sake of those who continue going on, even when everything around them says to quit, 
for the sake of those that says push through when times get tough, for the sake of those that say I will remain in God, those days will be shortened. In Revelation chapter 6, the apostle John states that the chaos will be so great that the leaders of the world will crawl into caves and cry out for the rocks of the mountains to fall upon them. Words can't describe the horror of those seven years, but we believe, church, that God is going to rapture his church. And while the world is going through these horrors, we will be in heaven waiting for the time for Christ to return so he can rule on this earth again. And while we are there, there are two special events that take place. The judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's talk about this judgment seat, the Bema seat. During the New Testament era, in most cities, there was a place called the Bema seat or the judgment seat. It, it was a raised platform that sat in the center of town. And it was on this platform where announcements were made, where judgments were rendered and um, commendations were handed out. All public proclamation and announcements took place from the Bema seat. In Paul's days, the Greek games were very popular. They had events like wrestling and boxing and javelin throwing and, 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 a, and a discus. And you would sprint and jump in chariot races. They didn't have the hot dog eating contest, even though I might have won that one. But they didn't have that one. They, and, and all of the Greek games in 700 B.C. and our modern-day Olympic games evolved from those. The Greek games were a huge source of entertainment for the people and winners of these games were like heroes. In, in uh, the prizes handed out to the winners of these games were called crowns. And these crowns were generally made of woven olive leaves. In and of itself, the crown may not have been of worth much, but, but the honor of having received one would have been a huge deal, especially for an athlete. For an athlete, it would be the greatest achievement of his life. And it was here at the Bama seat that these crowns were given out. It was not a private affair, but a public celebration as the athletes were awarded for their talent, their hard work, and, and everything that they put into these, these games. They were brought up on this raised platform in the middle of, of the... They were, um, they, they, they were proclaimed a winner, and they were recognized for what they had done. It was a time of honor, recognition, and celebration. Obviously, the games were very influential in their time because Paul even made mention to, to these games when, when he said things like to keep your eye on the prize. To, he, he, he said things like complete the race. He, he said things to, to receive your reward. And, and Paul, Paul expressed in his writings that... Um, that there will come a day when we as believers will stand before God and our works will be judged. The ones who have completed their race will stand before God and they will receive their reward and they will receive their crown for the faith that they had. And this will take place at the judgment seat of Christ. It will take place at the time that the earth is growing through the great trib tribulation. So, so I'm going to go through a couple questions this morning and I want to talk about this. How will we be judged? How will we be judged? I want to look at a couple of passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 says this. For we must, all uh, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Romans says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Notice that in both of these passages, Paul doesn't say I. Or he doesn't say you. He uses the word we or us. And it's referring to himself and to the body of Christ. All like-minded people. Paul is saying that all of us, Christians, will one day stand before Christ and we will give an account of what we've done so that we may receive what is due. You see, God has promised a reward. And this is the day when those rewards will be given. My question for us today and for all of our loved ones is this. Do we know what, what reward we will be given? Have we lived our lives in such a way that please Christ? Have we said things have we done things? Has our mind, have we thought things that, that we ought to think so that we can please God? Will our reward on that day of judgment, will it say, well done? Or will it say, I never knew you? What have we done? We'll look at another passage this morning where, where Paul said, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, what he's doing is he's using a building analogy. Paul is saying that anyone who builds a Christian life should not build on what they know or on what they think, but their lives should be built on one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. That everything they do or say should represent God in their life. And that they should use certain types of materials to build because only certain types will last the test of time. If you read on in this passage, it says their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, and I want you to notice the word day is capitalized, a proper noun. Because it's literally talking about the day. The day when all of this comes about, when we're at the judgment seat of Christ because the day will bring it to light. And when we are judged for everything that we've done on this earth, it will be revealed with what? Fire. It will refine. It will purify. When, and it will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. But watch this. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So the judgment seat of Christ is not just the judgment seat of right and wrong, but it's a judgment seat of the works that Christians have performed on the earth. And everyone at the ceremony are ones who, who have gone up with Christ. They've either died or they have been raptured. And they will all receive rewards. And to some degree, some maybe even greater than others. There are two separate judgments that goes on. The, there is this judgment, the one that we're talking about. And then there's the other judgment, which is called the great white throne judgment. And it takes place at the end of uh, his 1,000 year reign. And includes every person who has ever lived that turned a blind eye to Christ. 
but that this one right here is for all those who have known him and all those who will receive and reward. At, at one judgment, rewards are handed out and the other judgment, punishment is handed out. You will either be at one or the other depending on how you lived your life today will determine which seat you have at the table. I guess what Paul is trying to say in this passage is that everything we have ever done for Christ will be judged. The, um, the, the things that we have used to build our Christian faith, our Christian life will be tested and those works that stand will be rewarded. That's why it's so important, church, that, that we take captive every evil thought and we cast it where it belongs. No, no doubt, no fear, no evil thought belongs inside your head, but only what is to build up the body of Christ. That's why everything we do and everything we say must be in tune with what the Word of God says. And I guess to put it into real simple terms... God will take all the works we have done and he will check the motive in which why we did it to see if the motive is pure. For instance, the times you witnessed and shared the gospel when nobody was looking. The time you helped to, to give, you, you gave to a ministry to help them expand the kingdom or the times that, that you found somebody that just needed help and you decided to give them, you know, what they needed, all the different things that you might have done in the name of Christ. But, but then here's what happens. If we take those same deeds minus the impure motives, like the times you did it out of obligation or the times you did it with a bad attitude or maybe the times you did it so that others would notice, or the times when it was really self-serving and it really wasn't serving God. God will take all the deeds done in His name. He will check the motive of why you did it and then He will reward us accordingly. This is what will happen at the judgment seat of Christ. So what will we be judged for? What will we judge? What, what, what actions will, will we, we will be judged on how we use the responsibilities on how we use the privileges and how we use the opportunities that were given by God. Do you remember the parable that Jesus spoke of, of, of the talents? He expected, he, he expected them to do something with the talent that he entrusted them with. And God also expects you to do something with the talent that he has given you. As a matter of fact, the, the servant with one talent who didn't do anything but instead hid it in the ground, he lost it all. Why? Because he didn't take care of what God had entrusted him to take care of. But those who were trusted with little that passed the test, God said, I will make you ruler over many. Why? Because what they did, they took care of and they did it in the name of Jesus. Servants without faith will not be at this judgment because faith is required. God expects you to have faith and to serve Him with what He has given you. I always ask the question, what have you done with what God has given you? It's a very honest question and I think we can ask ourselves every day with what God has put in my pocket. Look, He has given us 24 hours in every day. How have we used our time? God's blessed us with money. How have we used it for him, for our own gain? Now, don't get me wrong. I think that we should do things 
that takes care of ourselves. We should do things that take care of our spouse. We should do things that take care of our children. We should do things that take care of the people that we love. But after we have taken care of our responsibility and our, and, and our obligation to God, we must give to God. God's blessed you with talents. How have you used them? God has given you opportunities to serve. How have you served? God has given you a, a church body to be a part of. How have you used that? God has given us a mission field. Have we shared the gospel? You see, God has given us so many things, and he's going to ask us, what have you done with what I gave you? But remember, we will not just be judged for what we done in, or what we have done in his name, but also the motives behind the action. Paul says that everything will be tested and only the pure deeds or worthy deeds will be rewarded. Paul compares the gold, the silver, the metal to things like wood and hay and said that some will make it through the flames, but some will not. Some will pass the test of time, some will not. What are you building your house with? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. So you won't just be judged on the talent but why and how you use them. The Bible says because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. The Bible also says, Paul, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, watch this, you will have no reward. You'll have no reward if, only, if the reason why you do it is just to be noticed. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in their synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not lift, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then, watch this, then our God in heaven who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's about your motives, about why we do what we do. He goes on into, into next where he talks about when you fast and when you pray and not doing it for public show but doing it for the reward that we will receive in heaven. Jesus says that if you do your good works for public recognition, then that is your reward. But if you do your good works for God, no matter who is looking, then those deeds will be rewarded in heaven. I think it's a good reminder that we must always remember why we do what we do and who we do it for. Even when nobody is appreciating you or loving you or giving you thanks or helping you, remember why you're doing it and who you're doing it for. The people with wrong motives are usually the ones that get burnt out. But the ones that give everything they have for God are the ones that will last the test of time. So what will we receive at this judgment seat? What kind of rewards will there be? The Bible tells us that the rewards that we receive on that day will be crowns. And the Bible actually mentions the imperishable crown. The crown that is awarded for the faith you have in the Lord. The Bible talks about the crown of life. This crown is for the person who overcomes temptation and remains in their faith through the trials. 
the Bible talks about a crown of rejoicing. The crown, this crown is the soul winner's crown. And it's given to those who have won people to God. Who in the angels rejoice when just one person come to know him. There's a crown of righteousness. This crown will be given to those who live in the light of, and, and return of Jesus. And then there's the crown of glory. And this crown will be given to those leaders who give themselves to lead and lead righteously. You see, at the judgment seat of Christ, you will receive a crown. And I want you to think about that because it's easy to talk about and just read over. It's easy to not ponder on that thought right there. I need you to understand this. Can you imagine on the holy day after we've been raptured and we are all called to the great Bama seat, the judgment seat of Christ, and God calls you up on that stage before all the inhabitants of heaven and he places a crown on your head can you imagine after all that Jesus has done for you after he gave his life for you while you're standing in his presence when you at last get to see God when sin, death and misery are no more and now he's putting a crown on your head can you imagine can you imagine? And I want to encourage you today that all your work for the kingdom is recognized. It's recognized. Here on earth, you may never have been appreciated. Here on earth, nobody might have ever said thank you. Here on earth, you, you, you may wonder if anybody cares about what you do. You may even wonder if it's even making a difference. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you matter to God. That He sees you. He cares for you. And He remembers. Men may not see the value of what you bring. But rest assured that Jesus takes notice. And He will reward you for your sacrifice. I don't always do a great job of it by giving praise and honor where it's due. But let me just take a moment. All of those people behind the scenes, I'm telling you, I'm... I'm um, Pawnee doesn't get enough credit for what she does. She's back there behind the computer every single week making sure all my stuff is up there at just the right time. And she does an amazing job, Daniel, with the live stream and working the cameras. It's things behind the scenes that people tend to not notice because they're not up front. Let me tell you something. Whether you're behind the scenes or whether you're up front, you matter to God. You matter I wonder what the emotions will be like at this event. I'm sure there will be a lot of excitement. It was obviously a very humbling experience. There won't be any fear, no anger. There won't be shame. I need you to get this too. There's no, um, there's no spirit of, comp, of um, competition. There's no um, jealousy. Why? Because it's not for what I have accomplished. But it's what we have accomplished in Christ Jesus. Everything is for the kingdom. And here God is honoring us when we should be honoring him. And I can only relate this to the time when Jesus knelt to wash Peter's feet. And Peter said, There, there is no way you're going to wash my feet. You're Jesus. I'm Peter. You're Jesus, and I'm Peter. You're not washing my feet. 
And what did Jesus say? Jesus rebuked him and said, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you can't have any part of me. Let that sink in for a moment. Because all this time that we want to honor God, honor God, honor God, honor God, and we should, God wants to honor you and honor you and honor you and give reward and give reward and honor you. So what happened? Peter surrendered. How humbling that must have been to have the Savior of the world kneel down and wash your feet. And how humbling it will be to have the Savior of the world put a crown on your head. And I think that that day will be heaven's worship service. Can you imagine? Heaven's worship service. I want you to think about it. You're going to receive a crown. Let that sink in. You'll receive a crown. Some may receive multiple crowns. Any prize you've ever received, any recognition you've ever gotten, any reward you could have possibly earned, what could compare to this moment when the Lord calls your name, when Jesus calls you by your name? I can't wait for that moment when Jesus calls me and it's my turn to come to the Bama seat and my name is announced and my reward is announced and he looks at me and he says, Chris, well done, good and faithful servant. My son, I am well pleased with you. I can't wait for the day when you stand up there, Autumn, and he says, my daughter, I am so pleased with you. Can you imagine the emotion of that day? Whoo! All the difficult parts of this life, all the tragedy, all the pain, all of 2020, right? In that day, it will all be worth it. Because Jesus will call you by name. God, have glory be to God. Where do we see this happening? Revelation chapter 4. John receives a picture of heaven. He sees a throne. He sees one sitting on the throne. He sees angels circling the throne. And then he sees 24 elders who have thrones and crowns. These 24 elders represent all of us who will receive our reward. Watch Revelation chapter 4. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby. Whoo! A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and watch, and watch, what did they have? They had crowns of gold on their head. Jump down to verse 10. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. What did they do? They lay their crowns before the throne. They say you're worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have there be, you see, the event that was meant to honor the ones who had remained, the remnant, the remnant, the one.
going to receive their crown. I can imagine that moment when all the eyes turned toward Jesus, the Lamb of God who was slain before the very foundation of the world, the Savior of mankind, the one who was beaten, tortured, and crucified so that we may live and the crowned saints become overwhelmed by the love of God. And this event meant to honor us turns into an offering heaven's worship service because remember through everything God gets the glory right through everything God gets the glory so they kneel down they take their crowns their rewards and they lay them at the feet of Jesus it brings deeper meaning to the crowns that we receive now it's not a reward but it's an offering it's not about recognition it's about an offering the bigger the crown the bigger the offering this is a picture of true worship this worship is in its most pure form where I cast aside everything that I have done on this earth and I cast aside every accomplishment that I've made. And I cast aside everything that I can say that happened because of me. I cast it aside and say, God, I give it all to you. Because you're worthy. Because you're worthy. Because you're worthy. True worship. When I give in my offering. When I clean this church. When I teach a class. When I serve a meal. When I make a call, when I send a text, when I make a visit, it's worship. I do it to Him. It's worship. And one of these days, all these works will accumulate into a crown that I receive. And then I lay it back down at His feet and say, God, you're worthy. You're worthy. So be encouraged this morning putting God first and keep working for the Lord and I want to close with this verse and they're going to sing a song and I'll pray over the offering but um, Colossians chapter 3 whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. What's next? The judgment seat of Christ. Where everything that we've done on this earth will be judged. And we'll receive our reward, our inheritance from God. I'll ask you one more time and I'll pray. What have you done with what God has given you? When that day comes, will he say, well done? Or will he say,